No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we look at more sayings from King Solomon against envying the evildoer and associating with those given to change. Lastly, we will hear an ode to a lazy man. We hope you will join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Proverbs chapter 24 on Simply the Bible. Solomon continues relating 30 sayings of the wise that began in chapter 22, verse 17. We continue in Proverbs 24, verse 19. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. This is the 29th wise saying, and he says, don't fret when evildoers prosper. Don't let it push you all out of shape. This is very similar to what David said in Psalm 37. He said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. I like this. It only causes harm. It's going to cause you harm. You might get ulcers. But it doesn't really do any good to look at the wicked and envy them. And that's what Solomon is is saying here as well. Now, the reason it doesn't do any good is because God's going to take care of them just like he takes care of us. He will provide for us what we need, but what's coming to them is not good. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Suddenly their lives will end, and that's all she wrote. Um, Unfortunately, it's not all she wrote. Of course, if they don't know the Lord, then they have eternal destruction to look forward to. So, He's saying, don't worry about it, because God's going to take care of these things. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. So this is the last of the 30 wise sayings. And it's appropriate that he says, fear the Lord and the king. That's the beginning of wisdom, to fear the Lord. It's the hatred of evil. But also, not only to fear the Lord, but also the king. We have an obligation to our government as well as to our sovereign Lord. He says, don't associate with those who are given to change. The rebellious, the unstable, we might say. You don't want to associate with them because they will ultimately fall into calamity. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so we are encouraged to be steadfast, to be immovable, to to make progress, not to be changeable, not to be unstable, but to have our roots in the Lord and in his word and to be faithful in these things. Now, for the person who doesn't, their foundation isn't the foundation, and when the tribulation comes into their life that occurs to to any person, 
they will fall. That's really what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 26, when he talked about the wise and foolish builders. The wise builder builds his house upon the rock, which is the person who listens to God's words and does what he says. The foolish builder is the one who builds on the sand, who doesn't really care to listen to God's words or to do what he says. And that's what Jesus said. He said, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now from this point until the end of the chapter, we cover six more sayings of the wise. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him, but those who rebuke the wicked will have delight and a good blessing will come upon them. So it's simply not good to show partiality or favoritism when you are judging. And this is really a matter of a judge in a court. Now, he says, if you acquit the wicked, then the people will curse you. Nations will abhor you. You see, injustice destroys society, and failure to adequately punish the wicked only encourages more wickedness. On the other hand, if you rebuke the wicked, then you will have delight and a good blessing will come upon you. Punishing the wicked, giving them their just due, brings delight because justice is then served and innocent people are protected. A good blessing will come because the righteous rejoice when justice is served. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. A good kiss on the lips from your lover is a delight. So is the one who gives you a right and pleasant answer. So then how can we compare the person who gives you a bad or hurtful answer? I guess it would be a slap on the face. Prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field and afterward build your house. Now this is simply a matter of establishing good priorities. In that farming culture, your outside work was your livelihood. No sense in building or decorating your house if you have no income or no food. We can apply this by making sure we have a good-paying job before taking on a mortgage payment. We can also apply it to giving God the first fruits of our income before we redecorate our home or take on that home improvement project. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause. For would you deceive with your lips? Now, there are many proverbs that deal with how we treat our neighbors. So many of these could be covered in the golden rule, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. In other words, put yourself in your neighbor's place. What would you want him to say about you? Then say the same thing. And by the way, your neighbor is not just the person living next door. It's anybody. So if you don't want somebody saying bad things about you, then don't say bad things about them. Would you want your neighbor to lie about you? Then don't lie about him. Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. God warns us in many places not to 
take personal revenge against those who have hurt us. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 32.35 says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip. Their day of disaster will arrive and their destiny will overtake them. Now, in verse 30, it's a really interesting passage. I I really like this. Let's go ahead and read it. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Now Solomon observed the lazy man or the sluggard as he calls him. I I just think that word sluggard, it just somehow reminds me of Jabba the Hutt, you know, Uh, just this slug of a man. Now, I call this Ode to the Lazy Man. Now, he was so lazy that he wouldn't weed his property. So it was covered with thorns, perhaps even goat heads. And he let his stone wall break down. He made no effort to repair it. Therefore, he had no protection to keep out the animals or thieves that would come in and take his fruit. As Solomon thought about it, he realized that the lazy man loves sleep more than he loves his work. Therefore, he comes to poverty. It seems to come upon him suddenly, but the truth is that he planned for it by his neglect over time. Now, I have mentioned before, my stepdad, uh, he married my mom when I was nine years old, and he was a masonry contractor, a hard worker, And uh, he just grew up with a strong work ethic. And I really hadn't had much of a work ethic when he first came into my life. But I soon found that there was no way to live in peace in that home unless I got with the program. And that meant that uh, 6 a.m. on summer mornings, I would hear him thunder into my bedroom and wake me up, get me out of bed. And it wasn't even an option. I became a hod carrier to a bricklayer at that point. Uh, a tender age of about 14 years old. I am so thankful, honestly. I wasn't thankful then, but I uh, grew to be appreciative of the fact that he taught me how to work. Now, I sort of adopted this when we had children because, you know, our children would do those things when you go to the store, they want you to buy this or that. And, oh, can I have that? And, and so I, th- I thought, look, I'm going to put an end to this. I'm going to give them an allowance, but their allowance is going to be something that they earn. I wanted them to learn real life. And uh, it wasn't just me, my wife and I, we talked about this. And so we put their uh, list of chores they needed to do. They could earn X amount of money for mowing the lawn or doing the dishes or vacuuming the house. And, and, uh, and when they did, then that became the money that they would use for purchasing the things that they wanted. And we even carried this to the point that, uh, you know, they would get, they would get an allowance for their clothing, but once they burned through that allowance, uh, then that was it. So they learned to be very, very good shoppers. And so, uh, but all of this was to teach them, look, if you are going to eat the food of this house, 
then you better be prepared to do your part in providing for what's necessary to keep this house running. Now, for nearly 10 years, my son worked at Apple. He is now a full-time assistant pastor at our church. But he would tell me about the lack of work ethic that he saw in many of the new hires, especially the younger people, the millennials. Um, Obviously, you know, they wouldn't last very long. But it's tragic when parents don't love their children enough to require them to work and carry their own load. And so they are allowed to just sort of goof off or play video games or watch YouTube or listen to their favorite tunes or whatever, anything except um, requiring them to pull their own weight around the house. And I, I don't fault the young people in that or the young adults as much as I do their parents who allowed them to get away with all that. But what they are really doing is they are setting up their children for poverty and debt. They're teaching them that, look, you can just goof off and everything's going to be okay, and you're going to be part of uh, this entitlement philosophy. You know, hey, it doesn't work in the real world, and you're just setting them up for a giant fall. Uh, And they probably won't own their own home. They'll probably be in debt and they'll probably be poor. I look at our kids, they both own their own home, they do well in their jobs, they they work hard, we are proud of them, but it all starts very early. And so I love Solomon, I love this ode to the lazy man, because I, I think it has so much to say to our generation, but also to us as parents, to make sure that our children learn a good work ethic early. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Next time, we'll see where King Hezekiah compiles more Proverbs of Solomon about kings, about speech, and about seldom visiting your neighbor's house. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Proverbs on Simply the Bible.